Amen. Would you grab your Bible and go with me to the book of John? Praise God. John chapter number 14. Starting with verse number 9. John 14 and verse number 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Watch. He that believeth on me. That's critical. He that believeth on me. This is Jesus. He that believeth on me. He that believes I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. He that believes that the Father dwells in me and does the work. He that believeth on me. The works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I, Jesus speaking, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live. You shall live also. I want you to see that verse again. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me. Because I live, you shall live also. I want you to notice something. This was prophecy. Jesus was prophesying to the disciples. 
He was not saying because I live and am talking to you right now. How do we know that? Because he said yet a little while. He was speaking of down the road. Yet a little while and the world sees me no more. But you see me. Because I live. You shall live also. That's why later on he said, you don't understand everything I'm saying to you right now. But it'll all come to your remembrance. Verse 20. At that day. Ah, see, this is again, we know he was pointing ahead into the future. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father. And you in me and I in you. At that day. Anybody interested in that day? I'm going to tell you something. This is that. This. This is that. Would you pray with me right now? I believe the Holy Ghost would like to speak with us and impart to us. And we need him to do so. Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word that cannot fail. I thank you for the gift of your spirit. It is the spirit of truth. I pray the ministry and the demonstration of your spirit and your word. According to your will and design, I pray spiritual impartation that comes from the rhema of God. Anoint our minds, our heart, and our spirit to receive that which you would speak. Let the clarity of the Holy Ghost ring in the hearts of men today. And let the will and the design of God be accomplished. That we would walk according to your direction. In Jesus' name I pray. I take this gathering now under the authority of your name and of your word. And I pray liberty in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. We did not read all of John chapter 14. We could have. Of course, it is Jesus' greatest, to me, one of the greatest chapters of the revelation of who Jesus is. And the clarity of the oneness of God, the fact that the Father dwelt in Christ and that the promise of the Father being sent would be Jesus Christ being sent. The Holy Spirit would come in the name of Jesus Christ. All of that is declared in John 14. And we get this promise from Jesus that we read there twice in verse 19. Because I live, you shall live also. He, of course, was speaking prophetically of the fact that though he was going to suffer, be persecuted, rejected, and died, he was not going to stay in the grave. We know the rest of the story, so we can read over that and miss that point there. They should have heard, and they would have realized later, the recognition, he lives, therefore I live. He's not still in the grave, therefore I have life. That was what he was declaring to them prophetically that day. I want to talk for a few minutes this morning. I believe the Holy Ghost would like to speak with us on this simple thought. Power 
to be witnesses. Power to be witnesses. Anyone interested in having the power to be a witness? I'm not talking about operating in our own ability. I'm not talking about learning to be good at something. I'm talking about receiving power to be something that we cannot be without it. Power to be witnesses. Jesus said in verse number 12 that we read there, Truly, truly, I say to you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Is that what it says? Do you believe on him? I do. Then if you and I believe on him, then we will do the works that he did. And greater works than these shall we do. I know it says he, but I need to bring it to where we are. Greater works than these shall we do. This is the plan and the design and the desire of God. To operate in, with, and through mine and your life. If we will submit ourselves to him. If we will, as we talked about on Thursday night, deny ourselves, take up his cross, and follow him. If we will lose our life for his sake, we'll find it. This element of greater works that we should do because we believe on Him comes after the cross. After the cross in our own life. We have to go to a place of losing our life and then He will manifest Himself. And this is the design and the desire of God. Acts chapter number 1, starting with verse number 1. Acts 1 and verse 1. I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Ghost desires and will commission us today. If we will receive and allow Him to do so. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. The former treatise or the former letter have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and I want you to look at that verse right there. You know, sometimes we read the first or second verse of a book, and it's like, oh, that's just the intro. Let's get to the stuff. Every word in this precious sacred book matters. Every word. The Scripture says not one jot or one tittle. We don't use those words anymore, but that's like every little mark. Not one jot or one tittle will pass away. Every word in this precious book matters. Watch. This is critical what Luke writes in this first verse. It's critical to you and to I. All that Jesus, what? Began to what? Do and teach. Do and teach. Jesus did not finish it. He began it. 
He's not talking about what Jesus finished here. He finished some things on the cross, right? That's why he declared it is finished. What was finished? The fulfillment of Scripture that the God would come and robe himself in flesh and manifest himself and die and give his life for the salvation of many. That was finished. All the fulfillment of the Old Testament Scripture pointing to Calvary was finished when he said that. But here, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, is declaring something to us that we must hear and recognize. He is not talking to us about what Jesus finished. He's talking to us about what Jesus started but did not finish. And this is where you and I come in. Jesus started some things that he fully, purposefully, without a doubt, intends for you and I to finish. He began to do some things that He wants you and I to also do. He began to teach some things that He wants you and I to also teach. Luke said, this letter that I'm writing to you, it's about everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. And He's trying to put something into our spirit when we read to recognize and understand what Jesus started, I've got to finish What Jesus began to do, I have to finish doing. What Jesus began to teach, I have to continue teaching. The word that we see again and again in the book of Acts, and they continued steadfastly, and they continued in prayer, and they continued in fellowship, and they continued in the word. What were they continuing? They were continuing what Jesus began. You and I, until we lose our life, we will not continue in what he began because we'll try to do some of what he did, but then we'll want to do our own thing. We'll give ourselves to some of what he did, trying to figure out how to make it all balanced, and then we'll go do what we want to do. Hear me, there is no way but the way of the cross. I have to lose my life for his sake in order to find it. But if you and I, by the grace of God and the constraining love of God, would lay our life up on the cross, I'm telling you, He's wanting to do and teach through us greater works than these shall you do. Luke wrote to us of all that he began. Hear me, someone must finish what he began doing and what he began teaching. The scripture tells us that there is a generation upon whom the ends of the world will come. I would not be the least bit surprised based on the urgency of the hour that we, you and I, are looking at and part of that generation. I believe his return is imminent I believe we could, before this day is over, hear a trumpet sound. You must understand the return of the Lord is soon. Signs are all around us. Wars and rumors of wars, famines and pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. There are elements all around pointing to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid I'd get caught up in building my life, my kingdom, my world, when He's called and would commission you and I to finish what He began to do and to teach. What a privilege and what an honor to be purchased by the blood, bought with a sacrifice, and born and birthed into the body of Christ in this hour. I thank God for the Apostle Peter. 
I thank God for the Apostle John and Paul and those men that went before. But hear me clearly. There's no greater day to be a part of the church of the living God than this time that you and I live in right now. They had a responsibility to their generation. They had a calling in their dispensation. But I'm convinced with every fiber in my being that you and I are called in this hour with a declaration from the Spirit of God to do and to teach what Jesus started. And there's nothing greater than that privilege and honor to be called by Him. To be called by Him. I believe it's what the Apostle Paul was speaking of when he says, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We have a high calling. We have a high calling. We have a high calling. You are called to greater things than just existing. Working a 9 to 5 or a 6 to 3 or an 8 to 4 or whatever you work. Or you, you got a higher calling than that. That's part of the journey. I understand that. That's part of the process. It's God's design to get us in the company of people. But that's not our calling. Credit union's not my calling. It just gets me in the company of people. Takes me places where I can interact with people. Gives me things he can use for his purpose in the kingdom. We have a high calling. My calling's not more significant than yours. My calling's not greater than yours. Each, is a, each one of us has a divine calling of God. The only difference between one and the other is whether one answers and another doesn't. Will you answer the high calling of God? Will you respond to the beckoning of His Spirit upon your life that says, I would like to commission you to finish what I began to do and teach. Greater works than these shall you do. This is the high calling of God upon every life of every child of God. The question is, will I respond and answer the call every day of my life? Verse 2, until he began to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. That's the ascension. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive. Oh, he showed himself alive. Remember that verse we read in John 14? Because I live, you shall live also. He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Make no mistake about it. When Jesus came, it says He came preaching repentance, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When His last messages were declared to them after He rose from the dead, before He ascended, He spoke to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The calling that rests upon my life and yours is one that will pertain to the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, watch. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. That's John 14, the promise of the Father. Luke 24, the promise of the Father. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. 
catch that? Okay, good. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will out that at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power. You shall receive power. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The power is specifically miraculous power. The power speaks of the power of Christ present and operative. Not just present. Some people are content for the power to be present. Just fill me with the Holy Ghost, Lord, and I'll be content. That's not what he was describing when he said you shall receive power. The word power that was used there speaks specifically of power that is both present and operating. You shall receive, I'm just going to read it this way. You shall receive present and operative power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's inherent power. It's power that resides in... It's interesting the way it reads in Thayer's. He says it's power that resides in a thing. And the first time I read that, I'm like, hold on a minute. I'm not a thing. Yes, we are. We're just a vessel. We're just a vessel. We're just earthen vessels. This treasure, this treasure is in earthen vessels Why would he put this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency and the power may be of God and not of us? It's power that's residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. I have a question. Have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost? Is the power present and operative? Is it operative? Is it operating daily in your life? I don't mean operating like, oh yeah, thank God, I feel it operating, I'm saved. I feel the presence of God in my heart, thank God. Oh no. What is the primary purpose of the infilling of the Holy Ghost? The primary purpose, I've come to believe, the primary purpose 
of the infilling of his spirit is so that you and I have power to be witnesses. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, colon, further defined, and you shall be witnesses unto me. The indwelling Spirit of God is so that my life becomes a witness to the power of God. Not to draw attention to me, but witness unto him. Power. When he baptized you or when he baptizes you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, he does so in order to give you and I power to be a witness to him. He does it so that you can testify of him. This is the purpose of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, to be a witness. We see it in Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 5, Acts 6, Acts 10, Acts 13. I didn't take the time to write them all down and read them all because we just don't have time this morning. But you can go study it. In all of those places throughout the book of Acts, you find the apostles and the disciples declaring, we are his witnesses, and we are his witnesses, and our lives give witness, and we are his witnesses. Why? They recognize when he filled me with his spirit, it was so I could continue to do and teach what he did. My life becomes an outflow of the spirit of God. And it becomes a witness not to me, not to my church, not to an organization. It becomes a witness unto him. And when people interact with me, the very nature of God begins to manifest itself. Because the power is present and Operative And that operative Spirit of God, when I come in communion with somebody else and words are exchanged, life flows not from this human being, but from the indwelling Spirit of God. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it was designed to flow out of you rivers of living water. This is why you receive the Holy Ghost power to be witnesses. Yes, it has other purpose. Yes, it causes the love of God to be shed abroad in your heart. Yes, it leads you and guides you into all truth. Yes, it does that and many other things. But the primary purpose, I believe, with all of my being, especially in this hour like never before, is that the reason He gave you and I this precious, beautiful, powerful gift of His Spirit was so that we would have power to testify to Him. That our life would so demonstrate Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Literally the word witness there in Acts 1 and 8. It's the word martus. It's where we get our word martyr from. He give you power to be a martyr for me. It's called to be a witness for one. To serve him by your testimony. To serve him by your testimony. 2 Corinthians 3 verse number 1. Paul was describing this when he said, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as others epistles or letters of commendation to you? 
or letters of commendation. Watch what he's saying here in verse 1. He's asking a simple question. He's writing to the church at Corinth. These are people that have been baptized in Jesus' name. These are people that have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's writing to the church. And he says, are we trying to commend ourselves? Or like some other people are doing, are are we needing letters of commendation to us? Or do we need letters of commendation from us trying trying to... you know, compliment, commend, this one, commend. Are we looking for those type of letters? No. Verse 2. We are, or you are our epistle. You're our letter written in our hearts. You're known and you're read of all men. Verse 3. For as much, watch, for as much as you are manifestly declared... Everybody say manifestly. You know what that word means? Manifestly. It's revealed. Shown. We talk about, you know, in a, the scripture tells us, of course, Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy, spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says he was man to wit. He talks about God was manifest in the flesh. God was revealed in the flesh. How was God revealed? In the man Christ Jesus. He was made manifest to the world. That's the word there. You are manifestly declared. What is your life declaring? What does your life and my life manifestly Declare to people. When they. I I don't believe in legalism. At all. I do believe. That how I talk. How I walk. What I wear what I don't wear, and how I carry myself is a manifest declaration of Him or not. It matters. It matters. Why does it matter? Because it's a manifest declaration to watch. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be what? You're manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. You're declared to be the letter of Jesus Christ. So when people read you and people read me, what do they read? Do they read Jesus? On my job. In my home. When I jump in my car and run down to the grocery store to run a quick errand. When I go to my kids sporting event. What are they seeing? Because what they're seeing is a manifest declaration of something. Every moment, every day is a man. 
you are declared to be the letter of Christ ministered by us. Written not with ink, but watch with the spirit of the living God. That word spirit there is the very Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost that you receive. And the intent of the receiving of the Holy Ghost is that it begins to write upon our lives and He begins to manifestly declare Himself through us. Our lives give witness unto Him. This is what Paul's talking about. We're manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but fleshly tables of the heart. Verse number 4. I'm hurrying. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Verse 5. Not, not, please notice, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. This is why it can't be legalism. Well, you know, make your sleeve this long or that long or this. No, that's too short. Or No, 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 no. We can't get into all the... But I do have to consider how do I look? What do I look like? How do I present myself? Because I'm declaring Christ, but I'm not trying to do this for legalistic means. That's why I'm never going to give you a list of rules. What should happen? I should be led by the Spirit of God every day that I live. When I get ready to walk out of my house, I should have a sensitivity to the Spirit. Hold on a minute. I, I've said... Oh, she's in here good. She'll attest to it. I've said to my wife, I've tried to do it carefully, but I, I, I'm just, she knows now after 30 years sort of where I'm coming from. I'm like, baby, are you, are you, are you, are you going to go like, like wearing what you got on right now? I wasn't saying what she had on was bad. I was just thinking about where we were going and who we were going to be engaging with. And I thought, and she understands that. She knows I'm not criticizing what she, I, I just, I felt the check. And so, I, does that make sense? What am I doing? You understand, we are manifestly declaring the letter of Jesus Christ. What does my life declare? What does my life declare? Now hear me, this is not a work of the flesh. That becomes pharisaical. That becomes legalism. We've got to guard against that. We seek an attentiveness to the Spirit of God. To be led by the Spirit of God. Years ago, years ago, years ago, before most of you, but not before all of you, Our forefathers in the faith preached and taught against a television being in the home. And some still teach that way. That's probably really good teaching. But the issue isn't what is or isn't in there. Do I believe you could have a television in your home and still be saved? Of course. The issue is not the television in the home. The issue is what you let come in and on and through that. Into your spirit or not. You're going to allow that? And if you can't, if you don't have the spiritual fortitude and leading of the Holy Ghost to discern what you should and should not allow into your eyes, then what do you do? If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. So what did our forefathers do? In their wisdom, they said, you know what? Don't even open that door. Don't have it in your home. You say that was legalistic. No, they cared for people. They were trying to protect them from avenues that the adversary would use. 
Now we can't say don't have that in your home anymore. Why? Because everybody's got a smartphone or right? they got an iPad or they got a computer and you can watch and see and view anything and everything. And so now we come to the crux of the matter. Are you going to be led by the Spirit in what you allow into your spirit? Or are you just going to whatsoever will because I have access? So we must be led of the Spirit because our lives manifestly declare Jesus Christ. We've got to get back on track here. Now watch. Not that we're sufficient of ourselves. This is not something we do in our own effort and our own ability. That's legalism. I could stand up here and I could tell you, okay, you should wear this and not wear that. You should go here and not go there. You can have this in your home but not that. These are things that are okay. These are not. This is what you should and shouldn't do. This. I could give you all that. And you become pharisaical rule followers. And I become a lord over God's heritage, and I got no interest in that. You were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost so that the nature of Christ would dwell in you, and you and I would become partakers of his divine nature, Second Peter told us, or Peter told us in Second Peter. I am made to be a partaker of his divine nature. And so I learn what pleases him, and I now function and operate according to please him. There's an old song we used to sing when I was younger. I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like him. The world's not making me do it. This is what I choose to how I choose to live. You must choose for you. I will choose for me. I don't remember the rest of the song, but it went like that. But it's being led of the spirit of God, allowing him to direct every part of our lives. Now hear me, there are some things that are absolutes. So just in case you're going, well, you know, that's nice, Elder, that the Lord leads you that way, but he doesn't lead me. Well, there's some things that I don't need the leading of the spirit before I'd make a determination because the word has very clear things on. Does that make sense? I don't need to go, well, I'm waiting to see. God might have told you that, but no, no, no. his word declares some things. Right? How about this one? Set no evil thing before your eyes. That's the declaration of his word. Now you have to allow the Holy Ghost to help you discern. Hold on a minute. That's evil. But the word's clear. Man, okay, we got to get back here. So this is not something we, this is why we don't have legalistic rules. But our sufficiency is not of ourselves. This letter that we are manifestly declared to be, this power that we're given in the Holy Ghost to be a witness, it's not sufficiency of ourselves to think it. Because if it was, we'd think something of ourselves. But it's from God, our sufficiency, our ability, our capability to do so. It's of God. It comes from Him. How? By the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 6. Who also, who also the Spirit of God, the power of God, has also made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Why? Because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives 
life. You and I are called and designed to be living epistles known and read by all men. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was to give you sufficiency of God so that you and I could walk the way I used to not be able to walk. We begin to talk the way I used to not talk. I change the way I talk. I change the way I walk. I change where I go. I change how I live. My conversation changes. My lifestyle changes. Why? Because I'm trying to be something I'm not. No, 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 no. The Spirit of God in me is enabling me to do what I used to not be able to do and I still cannot do on my own. But by the indwelling Spirit of God, I have received power to become a witness unto Him. Power to become a witness to Him. Your life is a witness. Your words are a witness. Your lifestyle is a witness. How you speak is a witness. How you carry yourself is a witness. How you do your job is a witness. How you don't do your job is a witness. How you treat your wife is a witness. How you treat your husband is a witness. How you treat your children is a witness. Everything I do is a living And I'm either testifying of the goodness and the power of God that enables me to do what I cannot do myself or if I'm testifying of this carnal nature that still needs to be brought under submission to the living God. You receive and I receive the Holy Ghost so that our life becomes a witness. You ever had somebody say to you, man, I don't know what it is about you, but when I'm around you, something... That's not you. That's not me. That's the power of the Holy Ghost manifestly declared to them. We don't produce that. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves. It's of God. But I have to purpose some things. I have to make a determination in my spirit. He filled me with the Holy Ghost to be a witness. He filled me with the Holy Ghost to be a witness. Does that mean I have to speak some things? Absolutely. Does that mean I should share the gospel of Jesus Christ unequivocally? Absolutely. Does that mean that's all there is to being a witness? Heavens no. My life is a witness. And you know, I've met people in my life who their mouth witnessed, but their life didn't. Or their lifestyle witnessed, but their mouth didn't. The Holy Ghost makes it to where every element of our being, we have power to be witnesses unto Him. That's the primary purpose of the Spirit. To be witnesses. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, oh, there's that word again. Notice, with great, what? I don't know if I told you this in Acts 1. That's specifically miraculous power. Same. With great power gave the apostles witness. What did they give witness to? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Remember what he said in John 14? 
because I live, what? You shall live also. With great power, they gave witness of the resurrection. How? Because he lived in them. Their lives gave witness. He's not dead and in a tomb. He's alive right here in this earthen vessel. And my life gives witness to his resurrection. That doesn't mean they went around saying, He's alive, he's alive, he's alive. It meant their life was a vessel wherein he lived. And their life witnessed that he was alive. Because he lived, they live also. I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Notice their lives with great power gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. What is grace? Grace is the enabling power of God to do what I cannot do myself. The writer of Hebrews called the Holy Ghost, referred to the Holy Ghost as the Spirit of Grace. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's so you have power to be a witness. Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul was reiterating what we see lived out here in Acts 4. Paul is declaring what we see lived out in Acts throughout the book of Acts. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Remember what Jesus said, because I live, you'll live also. This is what Paul's declaring. I'm crucified with Christ. I've died to myself. I've denied myself, taken up my cross, followed Him. I've lost my life, but I've come to save it by losing it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Do you know what real life is? It's when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you and I begin to deny ourselves, lay down our life and say, Spirit of God, lead me every moment, every step, every day. I'll give my life to you afresh and anew. Let your spirit be made manifest to a lost and dying world. Let your spirit be made manifest to my children. Let your spirit be made manifest to my spouse. Let your spirit be made manifest on my job. Let your spirit be made manifest everywhere I go. Let your life shine. Let my life give witness that you live, not I. You live, not I. Paul was declaring it. Paul's life gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, I don't live, but Christ lives. Christ lives. And I'm not even living by my own faith anymore. I'm living by His faith. This is why you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. To be witnesses unto Him. Now I'm finishing. Not only in our lifestyle, in our walk, and in our talk. But the Holy Ghost would commission us to go. To go into all the world. 
and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the valleys. Go into all of Yakima and Terrace Heights and Union Gap. East Valley and West Valley and Moxie and Mattawa and Natchez and Gleed and Kawichi and Tyaton and Hera and White Swan and Prosser. Go, go. You'll be witnesses unto me in Grandview and Granger and Zilla. You'll be witnesses unto me in Toppenish and Wapato. You'll be witnesses unto me. This is why you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He empowers us to be witnesses unto him. Our life manifestly declares him. This is not of our own doing. You can't sit here this morning and go, okay, i got to figure out how to do this. No, here's what you do. You say, baptize me with the gift of the Holy Ghost, your indwelling spirit. And if I've been filled, then what I hear Paul telling Timothy, different context, but it comes to my mind. He said, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Stir up the gift that's in you. For some of us, we've got to again. How do you stir up the gift that's in you? I'll tell you what you do. You need to make an old-fashioned altar. And you need to purpose, I'm going to put my life on it every single day that I live. It's Paul reaching to the church in Rome in chapter 12 and verse 1. When he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable unto God. Which is just your reasonable service. Verse 2 he said. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good. And acceptable and perfect will of God. That's why he filled you with the Holy Ghost. That's why he put his spirit in you and in me. It was to give you power to be a witness unto Him. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're battling through excuses, you just have to determine and you have to declare, Satan, you are a liar. I have been filled with the Spirit of God. And when He gave me His Spirit, He gave me everything I need that allows me to walk in the power of His Spirit. If I'll just yield to Him and deny myself, I can walk in the power of the Spirit and I will be a witness unto Him. Greater works than these shall you do. Acts chapter 26, I finish with this verse. Verse 16. Acts 26 and 16. But rise and stand upon your feet. Sounds like a good idea. Why don't we go and do that? We're going to practice the word this morning. Rise and stand upon your feet. How fitting. Why? See, this is, this is the Lord speaking to the Apostle Paul when he called him. The Apostle Paul had a high calling of God on his life. We referenced that verse earlier where he spoke to Timothy, I think, in 2 Timothy 5, 1 Timothy 5, one of those two. 
when he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Here we see his high calling. Rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose. To make you a minister and a witness both of these things which you have seen and those things in the which I will appear unto you. Keep going, verse 17. Delivering you from the people. From what people? From the people that he was held captive by. For him, it was the Jews that were Pharisaical. They were religious tradition. And Paul was not called to walk in religious tradition. He was called to walk in the power of the Spirit. Just like you and I are called to walk in the power of the Spirit. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles. Unto whom now I send you. To watch. To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in I hear the high calling of God to the people of God this morning. I hear it more than I think I've ever heard it in my life. And I hear him declaring, I know this was a word to Paul, but I feel in my spirit for the church today. Arise and stand on your feet. There's a high calling of God on your life. Dear sir, dear ma'am, there's a high calling of God on your life. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it wasn't just so you could say, I've got it and that spirit dwells in me that will quicken me when the trumpet sounds. I thank God for that. But you receive the Holy Ghost so that you would have power to be a witness to Him. Operative power, present power, supernatural power, demonstrative power, power to do greater works, to testify of Him that the Father would be glorified in the Son, that your life would shine forth the wonderful works of God. This is the purpose of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And He's called you and I and given us power to be witnesses. You're going to open the blinded eyes. You're going to turn people from darkness to light. You are destined. You are destined and designed by God to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God. You are destined to lead people that they would receive forgiveness of sin an inheritance among the saints. Would you respond to Him today? Would you respond to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus?